Let's start with a question. Did the Bible really come from God? I hope there's one mistake that we never make as Christians, and that is this, to doubt that the Bible really did come from God. And I say that because many people in our world today are in a search for truth. Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter. Everybody realizes that something is horribly wrong with our world. And it doesn't matter what we say, what we do, how we vote, our, our world, it continues to spiral out of control. And so people are seeking answers to questions like, can we have true and lasting peace in this world? Why is there so much evil and suffering? Why have all these shootings been going on? And, and where did all this evil come from? And is there any hope? Well, the irony is all this searching for answers is actually a good thing because it gets people to start focusing on eternal things, which is a good thing to do. But the problem is people are looking in all the wrong places for the answers to these questions. They're actually hoping that somebody somewhere will dig up some ancient text that will unlock all the secrets to life. Or, or, or they're actually hoping that somehow, some way, a supposed alien will land on the earth and, and solve all of our problems with their supposed higher intelligence. Or as the X-Files puts it, the truth is out there, right? But what if I were to tell you that the X-Files is right? Yeah, the truth is out there. It's right under our noses. It's called the Bible. But the problem is nobody will pick it up. It's actually collecting dust in virtually every home in America. Among households which own a Bible, the typical count is three Bibles per household. Almost every household in America, 92%, owns at least one copy of the Christian Bible. This includes most homes in which the adults are not practicing Christians, as well as the homes of hundreds of thousands of atheists. Even they have a copy of the Bible. Yeah, the truth is out there. But the irony is, is collecting dust in virtually every home in America. And so that brings me to the question, why? Why is it that people refuse to pick up the Bible when they're in such a frantic search for the truth? I mean, it's right out there in the open. I mean, why? Well, I think it's due to two things. One, it's due to a century or more of skepticism and false criticism towards the Bible that it really did come from God. And, and so people don't pick it up because they think it didn't come from God that it's just a book whooped up by man. And two, it's also because of the hypocritical behavior of Christians who on the one hand say, oh yeah, the Bible really did come from God, and you need to read it and find these answers you're looking for, but they never even pick it up themselves. How do I know? Because when it comes to our biblical knowledge, I think it's a little lacking. Don't believe me? Just ask these kids. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day, but a ball of fire by night. The fifth commandment is humor thy mother and father. Moses died before he ever reached the UK. Then Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jericho. <laughs> the greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. David was a Hebrew king and fought with the Finkelsteins. <laughs> Solomon, one of David's sons, had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. And when the three guys, uh, wise guys from the east side arrived, they found Jesus in the manger. Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. And Jesus enunciated the golden rule, which says to do one to others before they do one to you. And he also explained, man doth not live by sweat alone. And one of the opossums was St. Matthew, who was by profession a taxi man. And a Christian should have only one wife. This is called monotony. Now, that is kind of funny. But how many of you would say those kids probably could use a little refresher course on their biblical knowledge? Slightly. <laughs> but that's right, believe it or not, even we Christian adults don't fare much better. Don't believe me? Check out these stats on Christian adults and their knowledge of the Bible, and you tell me how well we're doing.
80% of Christians say the Bible teaches that God helps those who help themselves. 12% say that the name of Noah's wife was Joan of Arc. 49% say that the Bible teaches that money is the root of all evil. 50% of Christians say there is no absolute truth. And 55% of Christians say the Bible has errors in it. And 47% don't have a commitment to the Christian faith as a top priority in life. And 58% don't have being active in a local church as being one of their top goals in life. And 35% of Christians say that to get by in life these days, eh, sometimes you got to bend the rules for your own benefit. And 49% of pastors no longer have a biblical worldview. And of course, that leads to this, 93% of Christians no longer have a biblical worldview. And, and, and gee, those kids thought that David was fighting with the Finkelsteins. I, I, I wonder what kind of Christian adults they're going to be. And here's the point. I don't know about you, but I'm completely aghast at those stats. I mean, think about it. Why didn't all those Christians have a 100% agreement on the accuracy of the Bible? I mean, of all people who should never doubt that the Bible really did come from God, it, it should be Christians, right? But that's not what we see. Even Christians are doubting that the Bible really did come from God. And, and that's why to stave off this criticism and hypocrisy, even in the church, we're going to take a, a, a look at the 10 lines of solid logical evidence that the Bible really did come from God. And when we're done, you're going to see that it had to come from God. It's unlike any other book on the planet. The first line of evidence showing us that the Bible really did come from God is that the Bible says so. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to the Bible. 2 Timothy three ten through 17 You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet... The Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how do we know that the Bible really did come from God? Well, what did we just see? The first line of evidence is that the Bible says so. And, and believe it or not, this is a very important factor. You see, if anyone is in a genuine search to validate a document, they must first give that document the benefit of the doubt, Right? I mean, even Aristotle knew this when he said this, the benefit of the doubt is to be given to the document itself and not arrogated by the critic to himself. And this is the problem. This is what the skeptics do today. They assume the Bible is full of errors until it's proven absolutely genuine. They've got it totally backwards. Even in our courtrooms today, we know that if someone is innocent, uh, they're innocent until proven guilty, right? Therefore, if you're honest in your approach, I mean, shouldn't you do the same and have the same standard applied to validating the Bible to see if it came from God? Of course. So let's do that. Let's see what the Bible has to say about it being the Word of God. The Bible records for us the phrase, the Lord has spoken 30 times. The phrase, it is written 80 times. 
the phrase, the word of the Lord, 258 times. Thus saith the Lord, 415 times, and saith the Lord, 854 times. And and that's just a sampling. But as you can see, hundreds and hundreds of times, the Bible simply and emphatically declares that it really did come from God. And so here's the point. If you're honest in your approach to validate the Bible, you have to admit this fact. You have to give it the benefit of the doubt, like Aristotle said, that if it says it came from God, then maybe it really did come from God, right? And think about the hypocrisy here. Why is it that no honest scholar treats any other ancient document in the same hypocritical manner that the skeptics do with the Bible? Why do they assume it's wrong right off the bat? Why don't they give it the benefit of the doubt that since it claims to be from God, that it might really be from God? I mean, wouldn't that be the honest place to start? But usually the skeptics will object and they'll say something like this. Well, that's just circular reasoning. One book declaring itself to be from God, that's ludicrous. That's exactly what you'd expect by a book whooped up by man. Well, that's precisely the point. The Bible is not just one book whooped up by man. It's a collection of 66 books written by many different men in many different time periods who didn't even know each other, proving that it had to come from God. Man couldn't whoop this thing up. You don't believe me? Check out these amazing facts on the Bible. The Bible was written over a 1,500-year span. It was written over 40 generations, written by more than 40 authors from every walk of life, including kings and peasants, philosophers, fishermen, uh, poets, statesmen, scholars, etc. It was written in different places, in the wilderness or dungeons or palaces, etc. It, it was written at different times, times of war, times of peace. It was written in different moods, from the heights of joy to the depths of despair. It was written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. And it was written in three different languages, Hebrew, a portion of Aramaic, and Greek. And it never once contradicts itself, and it has the same message through and through. (laughs) What? Man on his best day can never whoop up something like that. It proves that it had to come from God. And yet, even with all these amazing characteristics showing that the Bible really did come from God, just like he says over and over again, people will still turn to other supposed sources of truth to find their answers. The first faulty source of truth that people turn to instead of the Bible is worldly false prophets. This is crazy, folks. God wants us to know the truth, and that's why he gave us the Bible. And that's why he tells us in the Bible not to listen to these guys. They're going to lie to you. Deuteronomy eighteen nine through 12 When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, who interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Why? Because it's demonic and God doesn't want you to be lied to. He told us over and over again that the Bible came from him and we just need to stick to it so we can know the truth. And yet people today still turn to these same lying demonic spirits to get their source of truth. You don't believe me? Let's take a look at some of the most popular ones out there today. The first one is Nostradamus. Michael Nostradamus was a 16th century French physician and astrologer. He wrote four-line verses called quatrains that many of his modern-day followers see as proof that he was a true prophet. Really? (laughs) Let's put him to the test. 
Here's just one example of his extremely vague quatrains. The year 1999, seven months. From the sky will come the great king of terror to resuscitate the great king of the Mongols. Before and after, Mars reigns by good luck. At 45 degrees, the sky will burn fire to approach the great new city. In an instant, a great scattered flame will leap up when one will want to demand proof of the Normans. Well, there you have it. Believe it or not, according to the experts, Nostradamus just predicted 9-11. <laughs> and, and, even, and even when you call them on this insane view, they, they will usually say something like, well, uh, 1999 is not too far off from 2001. And the references to fire and terror from the sky sounds like an aerial attack. And, and New York is close to 45 degrees latitude. Actually, it's about 40. And then, of course, they don't mention, well, who in the world is the great king of the Mongols? And what does this have to do with the planet Mars? And who on the 9-11 commission actually demanded proof from the Normans? And neither do they mention that the great new city spoken of by Nostradamus in the original French was Villeneuve, which is the name of a town outside of Paris, which is near a 45 degrees latitude. And yet, in spite of this, Nostradamus is more popular than ever. Immediately following the September 11th attacks, his book climbed to the top of Amazon's bestsellers list, and it shot off bookstore shelves all around the country. And furthermore, they don't also tell you just how he got all the supposed prophetic quatrains. Nostradamus not only used a combination of astrology and divination, but he even claimed that an angelic spirit, i.e. a demon, helped him to understand how these things work. He used various forms of meditation, focusing on fire or water, while being under the influence of mild hallucinogens, which is called scrying. Scrying is a practice used by witches to concentrate on an object until visions appear. And believe it or not, Nostradamus not only knew he was messing around with dangerous occult practices, but he even warned his own son not to follow his footsteps because he knew he was headed to hell. He beseeched his infant son never to dabble in such practices, for he says they desiccate or dry up the body. They disturb the mind and send the soul to perdition. For that reason, he burned to ashes the ancient books he learned these techniques from. And when he did, he said they burned with an unnatural brilliance. And I'm going to listen to him over the word of God in the Bible. Oh, oh but that's not the only false prophet people are unfortunately buying into. As we all just uh, recently found out, the Mayan prophecy of 2012 was not only uh, not true, but it was nothing more than wild speculations over the Mayan calendar. The only thing that ended was the Mayan calendar system. In fact, even though people said the Mayans were predicting the end of the world, these same people couldn't even predict their own cultural extinction. And the reason why is because, once again, just like with Nostradamus, they too used occult practices to get their information from. They were also involved in astrology and used hallucinogenic drugs to induce visions and, and to help them supposedly speak to their dead ancestors, which is called necromancy. And their culture was not only full of occult practices, but barbaric ones. They were actually a brutally violent people who practiced human sacrifice because they believed that in order to appease the gods, they had to kill people and offer them up as a sacrifice in order to keep the sun going that they believed was powered by human blood. And I'm going to listen to them over what God says in the Bible? I don't know about you, but come on. 
I, I think I'll, I'll stick to the tried and true Word of God in the Bible that was written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors over 40 generations that never once contradicts itself and, and shows it had to come from God over guys who practiced witchcraft, knew they were going to hell, did drugs, killed people, including themselves, just to keep the sun going. And yet, listen to this, 4% of Christians in one survey and 3% of non-Christians said they had consulted with a medium or spiritual advisor within the past month. Did you catch that? More Christians are seeking guidance from a demonic psychic than non-Christians do. And yet, not so surprisingly, just like with Nostradamus and the Mayans, they too are a faulty source of information. Amid hundreds of prophecies, biblical prophets are not known to have made a single error. However, a study of the prophecies made by psychics showed that of 72 predictions, only six were fulfilled in any way. However, two of these were vague and two others were hardly surprising, uh, like the U.S. and Russia would remain leading world powers. Well, duh. And another uh, study on top of the, the top 25 psychics and 72 of their predictions revealed that 92% were totally wrong. And the remaining 8% could be easily explained by chance and general knowledge of circumstances. In fact, in 1993, the psychics missed every single unexpected news story, like Michael Jordan's retirement that year and the, the major flooding in the Midwest. And among some of their false prophecies that year were that Kathy Lee Gifford would replace Jay Leno as the host of The Tonight Show and the Queen of England would become a nun. Okay, apparently they forgot to tell her that. <laughs> but here's the point. When in the world are we ever going to learn that those sources are not only not a good source of truth, but this is why God tells us over and over again in the Bible that it really did come from God. Just stick to it. Why? Because He doesn't want us lied to. He wants us to know the truth. And He wants us to know that these worldly false prophets are leading people astray. The second faulty source of truth that the people turn to instead of the Bible is what I call churchy false prophets, i.e. false prophets in the church. But shocker, again, God says, don't listen to these guys either. You're going to be deceived. But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his. Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Why? Because he's a liar. What he said was from God was not from God because it's a lie. God doesn't lie. And so here's the point. What, what are you supposed to do with that guy? Well, according to the Old Testament, you are supposed to put that man to death. Or as other texts say, you are to stone them. But here's the point. Why do you put these guys to death? Because again, God's not a liar like us. He's holy and he wants people to know the truth. So if somebody has the audacity to say they're speaking for God and yet it turns out to be a lie, they die. Why? How dare you impugn the holy character of God, right? And the good news is that today under the new covenant, we don't put a false prophet to death, but we are called to put them out of the church. And yet herein lies the problem. People today in the church refuse to do this. And so we're looking like a bunch of goobers. Okay. We're acting like God doesn't know what he is saying. 
And, and let me give you just a few examples of false prophets in the church. Even though the Bible clearly says in Matthew 24, 36, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, referring to the second coming of Jesus. One false prophet in the church uh, was named Harold Camping. He not only predicted that the world would end on September 6, 1994, but again on May 21, 2011, and then again on October 21, 2011, when he got it wrong on that one as well. Why? Because not even Harold Camping's mathematics can supersede God's Word. Nobody knows the day nor the hour, including Mr. Camping. I don't care how nifty he was with the calculator. In fact, he even stated that no one was saved between 1988 through 1994 and that the church age ended in 1994 and that the Holy Spirit is no longer working in the church. Sounds to me like the Holy Spirit's not working in Mr. Camping. And the problem is that all these lying false prophecies made by Mr. Camping was that it caused many people to lose not only millions and millions of dollars, but several people even lost their lives. Why? Because the church didn't do what God said to do with false prophets. He should have been kicked out of the church back in 1994 when he made his first false prediction. But that's not all. So is Benny Hinn. He's not only a false teacher ripping people off of their cash in the church in the last days, but he himself has made several false predictions himself. Listen for yourself. The Lord also tells me to tell you in the mid-90s, about 94, 95, no later than that. God will destroy the homosexual community of America. He will not destroy it with what many minds have thought him to be. He will destroy it with fire. The Spirit tells me Fidel Castro will die in the 90s. Oh my. Some will try to kill him and they will not succeed. But there will come a change in his physical health and he will not stay in power, and Cuba will be visited of God. You know, a prophet just sent me a word through my wife right here, and she said, tell your husband that Jesus is going to physically appear in his meetings. We may very well come back with footage of Jesus on the platform. You know that the Lord appeared in Romania recently? Now hear this, I'm prophesying this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is about to appear physically in some churches and some meetings and to many of his people for one reason, to tell you he's about to show up. I want to ask Pat about the coming election. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on Obama, Romney, what happens if Obama wins, what happens if Romney well, wins, and I'm talking about economy yeah. plus foreign policy. Oh. He's going to have a second term. He's going to win. Romney will win the election. You believe that? I absolutely believe that. What makes you believe that? Because the Lord told me. Well, that's why I'm glad to, I'm glad to know. I wasn't sure how you knew. Really, the Lord said that to you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I told Mitt a long time ago. I called him. I said, listen, I've, I've, I've been in prayer. I, I, Number one, you're going to win the nomination. Number two, you're going to win the general election. He said, well, what can I do for you? I said, well, give me a seat on the platform. <laughs> and we wonder why the world laughs and mocks and scoffs at us. I'm telling you, if we want to avoid this embarrassment and hypocrisy, then we need to do what God tells us to do. Kick these false prophets and teachers out of the church. Why? Because they're making God out to be a liar. If we would just stick to the Word of God in the Bible, 
that was written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors over 40 generations that never once contradicts itself. And stop trying to seek a so-called word from God outside of the word from God. Then I'd say we'd have a better witness and we'd be better off. And this is why you can't have it both ways. You can't agree with some of the Bible's teaching and then turn around and deny its authenticity. Why? Because the Bible clearly presents itself as the genuine word of God. And anything short of this is hypocrisy. And so it is with the skeptics of the Bible. They spout off these bold claims that the the Bible can't be trusted, that the Bible is full of errors, yet all the time it is they who refuse to look at the evidence. And so I ask you, who's being the real hypocrite here? And this is why the last thing we'd ever want to do as a Christian, especially in these times when people are seeking the truth, is to treat the Bible like this guy. Now, I don't know about you, but that's got to be the ultimate hypocritical Christian's behavior. And it's ironic that it's occurring at a time when people are in a desperate search for truth. That here we are as Christians saying, oh yeah, the Bible really came from God, and and you need to read it, and it has all the answers you're looking for, and yet, it's sitting on our kitchen tables, just like everybody else is, collecting dust. We have got to wake up and realize the golden opportunity God has given to us. Our world is in a frantic search for purpose and direction in life. People are full of questions like, why do I exist, and where did I come from, and why is all this evil going on, and is there life after death? And how sad and ironic it is that this mysterious book that everyone's in search of can be found on bookshelves collecting dust in virtually every home in America, even in the church. But be encouraged today. Let's get back on track. Let's not just say the Bible came from God. Let's show the world the Bible really did come from God. Be encouraged today. You don't have to give in to the attacks of the skeptic. You don't have to give in to doubt. And you don't have to give in to one bit of criticism. What we hold in our hands is the genuine Word of God. Let's get busy reading it, studying it, applying it, and sharing it. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. 
God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon. That God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon 
for that person's crimes and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.